I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to The Front Three. The first podcast of the new season. First podcast of a new series for us. Series three, which is one more series than EastEnders, apparently. Um, but anyway, I wanted to do a little intro for this podcast because we want to change things up a little bit going into the new season. Just just a little bit. Myself, Dave and Lawrence, we started this podcast, what, five years ago now? And obviously we had a break a couple of years ago, but it just felt right to bring the front free back during lockdown and you lovely people out there showed us so much support when we did, which was truly appreciated. Um, it meant a lot that people were happy we were back and still interested in hearing us talk about football. And the last thing you want to do is disappear again. And we're not doing that, not least of all because you know, we love doing this podcast. I, for one, love having an excuse to chat to Lawrence or Nico, Chris or Dave every week about football. But finding that time together is getting more and more difficult. We're all incredibly busy. And as the world starts to try to get back to normal in the middle of this pandemic, we're getting even busier. We have day jobs, life and marriage, babies as well now. So it's difficult to research and produce and edit an hour or so podcast every week covering three different topics from the world of football. And to be honest, we don't want to do that either and talk about the same things every other football podcast you listen to is talking about every week. We want to offer something a little bit different for you and ultimately for us as well to talk about the aspects of the beautiful game that we're interested in and hopefully you are too. So there's no dramatic change. It's still going to be the three of us getting together each week to talk football and release a podcast every Wednesday. But we want to start to focus on a single topic every episode discuss it in a little bit more detail a little bit more depth and hopefully produce an interesting and insightful podcast that you guys are going to enjoy i hope that sounds good i hope you guys enjoy it let me know what you think i'm on twitter at adam boltwood we're all on twitter at the front three you can leave reviews as well they're hugely appreciated especially when they are five stars but for now for this week the first podcast of this new season and this new series myself and chris and nico as well wanted to look at the tangled web that is Fabio Silva, George Mendes and Wolverhampton Wanderers Football Club. Fabio Silva, striker, is at Molyneux. Club record by some way. Where was that? Wow! Uh, 
The 18-year-old has extraordinary off-the-ball movement, a lot like a young Filippo Inzaghi. The kid is special and under Nuno is positioned to make the most out of his potential, which will make him a coup at £36 million. Just a one start for Porto, uh, 12 appearances, but when you look at what he's achieved, uh, quite remarkable. Uh, the youngest debutant, the youngest starter and the youngest scorer. Absolutely fascinating to see a player of this calibre and this potential move to the Premier League and he becomes the ninth Portuguese player to play for Wolves. So, Chris, what do we know about Wolves' new signing, Fabio Silva? We know that he doesn't come cheap, is what we know first and foremost. £35 million is what he's cost Wolves, which... Yeah, it, it's a massive sum of money. And, you know, I was looking up just before we started this that I think it was four years ago, their record buy was seven million on Ivan Cavallero. So it's jumped five times in that four years, which if you needed an indicator for war, for Wolves' growth during that period, this is it. Because you, you asked what Fabio Silva is like. He's a precocious youngster. Absolutely. He's incredibly talented for his age, but I think it's not unfair to characterise him as, right now, a largely unproven player that is being bought with the hope that he fulfils his potential. I think it's fair to say a few eyebrows were raised. He's an infamous football manager, wonder kid. But as you're sort of saying, I think the stat that was doing the rounds was that, you know, he's 18 years old, he scored three goals in a thousand minutes of, of senior football. He is talked of, though, as a, as a generational talent. Yeah, I mean, look, we, I remember we spoke about João Felix in a similar light. So you look at the struggles he's had, not necessarily, I think, because of his talent, but how he's fit into that Atletico side. It's not been the perfect mesh. So what I'm trying to say is there are so many moving parts with a transfer of a player from one team to another where you change countries. Then throw in the fact that this is a young player still learning the game, still figuring it out. From the things that I've have read, because I haven't been able to see a wealth of his footage or his clips or what have you, he is a very traditional goal scorer, someone that's always in the right place, not someone that will, if we use João Felix as a com- comparison, not blow you away with skill, but will produce. Now, again, that's with the important caveat that this is largely at youth level so far. It's it's not been consistent at, at first team level, but he is so young. So as you can see, I'm almost arguing with myself internally as I talk to you about him because there are so many moving parts here. It does feel like a bit of a statement signing, though, in that although there are those question marks, he is a hugely highly rated youth prospect. And in terms of Wolves as a club, Obviously, their fortunes have improved dramatically since the club was taken over in 2016 by the Chinese conglomerate Fosun International. You know, last season, I think it was one of the most impressive seasons in the Premier League for them. And the squad as well, you know, you've not only got Raul Jimenez, you've got Adam Traore as well, you've got Diego Jota, you've got the manager as well, an exciting manager in Nuno Espirito Santos. But perhaps the most valuable asset on their side is the football super agent, George Mendes. Now, Mendes is not representing Fabio Silva, but he is reported by the Portuguese media to have had a handling in the transfer. And his influence has obviously been felt 
ever since the club was taken over by Fossen in the past couple of years, Chris. Yeah, and that's where I think this situation becomes a bit more complicated because, as you talked about, they've benefited from the relationship with Georges Mendes' agency, which is getting them João Moutinho for $5 million. Uh, Ruben Neves in the championship for $15 million, who This was a player that was Champions League calibre at that point and showed that when he pretty much bossed the championship for a year. But I think if, if you actually go and read the insight of people who, I guess, have not only watched this guy consistently, but are able to give you the context of the Portuguese football landscape, this is a crazy fee. This is a lot of money for someone. That I was just talking to someone today about a, a different transfer from a player in Argentina potentially going to, to England. We may look back on this in a few years and laugh and say, oh, you know, they've got, you know, the the new Raul Jimenez in that sense, this great new striker that, that people had, had skipped out on. But we may also be writing articles about whatever happened to this £35 million wall signing. It, to me, it does sit on that knife's edge. Um, and I think this is where you're starting to see where I don't think it will bother Wolves fans tremendously because they're benefiting, but you're going to have to maybe do what Uncle George says now and again to make that relationship flow a bit more smoothly and effortlessly. I mean, you do look at the Wolves squad, a 23-man squad from what I could gather. Nine of the squad are Portuguese now, which as you said to me before we start recording, there's more Portuguese players in the squad than English. Six of those are Mendes clients. And not only that, but now the rumour suggests that Porto teenager Thomas Estevez is on Wolves' radar, could be the third player this summer, Chris, to leave Porto for Wolves. Yeah, that, the the funny thing is, is that the, so the Athletic, as they do these days, did a very long piece on uh, Fabio Silva and mentioned Estevez in there as sort of the, the bargain in the pack. So if I'm a very optimistic Wolves fan, I'd say, you know what? Yeah, we might spend 35 million on Silva. But if we get them for a combined 50 million, that's just a, a, a figure I've firmly plucked out of the air there before we get barrages of angry letters in Portuguese. Then you would say, okay, that's that's how this works. You know, we take we this is a, a relationship where you know we do kind of meander with it, and there are pros and cons to that. Which, to be fair, you go back, what was it, 2008, 2009. Ignacio Gonzalez joins Newcastle. No one's heard of him. And it later comes to pass that that was a favour to an agent. So I don't think we're necessarily breaching new ground in the way that we think we are with this Mendes thing. I think the difference to me is that this is a bit more of an overt relationship. It's very clear how these parties all line together and how they operate within each other. And that's just it with regards to Fabio Silva, isn't it? This move seemingly came out of the blue and that Mendes relationship could help to explain it somewhat. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, look, Wolves need some kind of striking depth, I think. But to spend that amount of money on a a largely untested teenager is a concern. And it was interesting when I did some reading on a highly esteemed website, (laughs) reddit.com, someone was talking about the fact that allegedly what sticks out to them is the fact that Porto need to make a hundred million profit by this time next summer. And this deal will help them do that considerably. Now you throw in the other player that we talked about before there, the, I think he's a fullback that will 
again, lessen that burden to try and make that profit target. So there's clearly a, a lot of reasons, let's say, for this deal to happen that would benefit every club. It's just a case of, I think, how comfortable we feel about it happening in the sport. That's the thing. Those sorts of suggestions, as alleged as they are, um, I think they do kind of demonstrate how nefarious this, this these sorts of dealings can be, and especially when you look at Mendes and his relationship to Wolves. The club have previously denied that he has any excessive influence in the club's transfer dealings. But of course, his relationship is so intertwined with the owners. He is actually, according to The Guardian, understood to have helped identify Wolves as a prospect to buy to Fosson International. Um, the Wolves owners themselves as well have a stake in his company, in his agency. Uh, and of course, many Wolves figures, as we've discussed, including the manager, are Mendes clients. So you can sort of see where it becomes problematic, Chris. It brings to mind a situation, to me at least, at Arsenal where Rouse and Leahy was the head of football. He had an obvious over-reliance on certain personal relationships, certain intermediaries in the game, and the signings of, for example, Nicolas Pepe, David Luiz, and Cedric Suarez, perhaps most in particular, all under his direction. I think it's fair to say there were arguable, varying degrees of, of questionable natures to those moves he's now left the club of course and you know a number of other transfers are coming under scrutiny as per the athletic we've already referenced in this podcast it said that arsenal exceeded the asking price for Bernd leno their goalkeeper and paid five million euros above the buyout clause for lucas Torreira as well so it's easy to see where these sort of relationships and where these sort of deals can become problematic absolutely and i think that's Perhaps the distinction that we we almost need to make is that when things are going well, which I think it's fair to say it is at Wolves, there's less concern. It's when we feel as if, like Arsenal, there's an element of mismanagement, then it suddenly becomes a problem. And I think you perhaps need a bit more consistency to that end because the notion of agents being involved in clubs is, is not um, totally unique here because I did a story many years ago about allegations that a group of agents had bought a club in Uruguay called Deportivo Maldonado. Um, hats off to any fans that we have listening of Deportivo <laughs> Maldonado. Hello to the one, the one fan. And the, the allegation was that this club was essentially a shell club that they was used to run players through to circumvent the fact that you couldn't own stakes in players as a third party anymore. When we think of Carlos Tevez, Javier Mascherano, that's the kind of situation I'm talking about. So what these agents did, allegedly, was buy a club so that they could run them through the club, use the money that they had themselves to buy these players or shares in these players, and then move them on. So I think part of the trouble we have is that every time we make a rule, that opens up potential loopholes. It's so hard to then close them. And also, look, I'm sure there's potentially a Wolves fan listening who's thinking, well, actually... My club is in the Premier League. I've got some of the best players I've ever seen in my lifetime supporting them. We're going really far in Europe. Why is this a problem if we are performing well and not breaking any laws? And the truth is, I, I struggle to summon a real kind of strong riposte to that because 
there's an element of it that says, yeah, with the established sort of top six that we have in England now, it's very difficult to engineer a way to compete at that level that doesn't involve a very rich owner coming in and essentially building those walls up through their own funds. That's not what's really being done here. It's being done in a slightly more considered way. So I, I think we're at a very difficult impasse where you're going to struggle, I think, to find a Wolves fan who will criticise the system. And I understand why. Do you think fans should be concerned, though, in that there could be construed a particular over-reliance on a figure like Mendes in terms of the the operations almost of the club? You know, it's not necessarily intelligent decision-making in terms of analytics or, or a scouting network internally at the club that seemingly identifies players. It does seem to be agents and those connections driving the decision-making. And with one agent in particular at Wolves in Mendes being so central, it does make it feel quite precarious. I, th- I think that goes back to what we said with Arsenal is that let's say if this was an agent a few rungs down on that ladder and the calibre of players was was less, it might stick in the craw a little bit more. If this was a, a club <clears throat> sort of, let's say, struggling in the championship, we might kick up a fuss. I seem to remember when the Pozzos took over at Watford, there was a major issue with them owning several clubs and funneling players between. Now, if you spoke to Watford fans at the time, and I did, and I wrote pieces to this to this effect, that club was actually quite well managed in that regard. And I think found an inefficiency in the English market by bringing players over that, truth be told, were better value than what they could have bought domestically as a club that at the time Watford's size was not huge in terms of its financial pulling power. So that's where I think I fall a little bit in the middle of the fence because there's part of me that thinks, you know what, this is leveraging contacts and and opportunities. Does it slightly concern me that the agent also has a say in the club and and how can you ever really separate them? And, you know, is this uh, sort of a murky water that we're falling into absolutely i just struggle to see how you separate those two now how important do you think nuno is to wolves obviously in terms of what he achieved last season and in terms of what they could achieve going into this campaign yeah i think i think you know what getting out of the championship is a lot more difficult than people make out especially when there is an expectation and i think the second that ruben neves arrived there was expectation there was a lot less pressure, I would say, once they came up because then there was sort of a fun attached to them and, and the signing of Moutinho was, to me, it was more of an excitement than an expectation. It was, where do we think they'll finish? Wouldn't it be mad if they got relegated and they had João Moutinho and Ruben Neves in midfield? So I think the expectation has changed and it's it's sort of still in that mindset where at the minute, every time they get higher than eighth or higher than, you could argue, the bottom half, that's something to be celebrated and cheered and all that kind of thing. That, that to me, will slowly change. And I, I think personally, when it comes to Nuno tactically, I have some reservations about his ability to be proactive in games. I think he's better as a reactive coach, but that's sort of a separate issue. I think, again, it's one of those situations where when Marco Silva came to Hull, did all right in the first instance, and everybody went crazy. Where's this guy been? How did we just discover him? You know, how do I get, you know, his email address to ask him everything he knows about football? Because he's just wonderful. 
And I think there was a certain element of that when Nuno found success that how has this guy not come to England? And it's just the fact that, again, we can be a little bit insular as a nation. So I think, yeah, he deserves a lot of credit for his ability at what he's done. I will be curious to see how long he can stay parallel with that club's ambitions. Mm. And do you think he would be able to operate elsewhere in that he's obviously got these close connections with Mendes. All of his appointments have been at clubs where Mendes is very well connected himself. For example, Valencia, for example, Porto, of course. You know, if Nuno were to move on from Wolves and move away from these these quite unique circumstances, should we say, do you think he would be able to succeed divorced from Mendes? Yeah, I think that's the other interesting question with him is that 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 is possibly something that will be held against him, the fact that he has such a close affinity with George Mendes and, and by consequence benefits from those kind of players like you know Valencia is a very big club Porto is a very big club so that is is not a huge surprise that that caliber of player was there but let's be honest I think at Wolves it is so if I was I think his tactical nous is there like I said before I just struggle with him being a proactive coach I just don't feel like I've seen that in England yet my apologies if it's much more pronounced at previous jobs. But for me, I think that's something where I would want to see him take a game to the opposition in a more clear and direct way before I think, yeah, you know what, you could put him at, a, at another, let's say an Everton for comparison's sake, a team that's striving for similar things and he will perform to the same level, maybe even do better. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. So, Nico, joining us now. Nico, what do you make of this Wolves-George Mendes relationship, this marriage between agent and club? That's an interesting way to put it. Yeah, trying to, trying to paint a picture. <laughs> you know, it's... I'm sure, like anybody in any aspect of life, there is a marketable sort of positivity or positive side that you can look at the as you mentioned marriage that uh, wolves have with jorge mendez and say hey listen yes there is this sort of tacit under the table understanding between an agent who has monetary benefit uh involved in this situation um and club but 
you know, he's getting young Portuguese talents, the platform that they need in the Premier League, which is the biggest and most marketable league in the world, um, you know, a, a proper place to display their talents and increase their market value and so on and so forth. And and that's kind of the line that I think we'll hear hawked from people in Jorge Mendes' camp and other people in the media and so on and so forth. But I think as people who are involved with uh, football players, like the agent's responsibilities is, yes, they have a financial uh, responsibility to the player to get them the best possible deal. But they also have a responsibility to the player to like, what is the best decision for them? So I think it's, it's difficult because it's difficult to imagine a situation at, at least thus far, as far as wolves go, where you would imagine that this specific situation with regards to the players and the relationship they have with their agent um is in any way deterring their career or anything like that. But when you start to introduce these motivations that are outside of what is um, implicitly agreed upon with regards to the relationship that agents have with the public, with their players, with the club, I think that's when the, the waters start to get a little bit more. A, a bit muddier you know the this is this is a at the very least in regards to other clubs like this is an unfair advantage given the fact that they're allowed to pounce on young portuguese talent before anybody else has um the capability to do so and in in the case of the players like you know we 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 don't we, we don't fully understand all of the implications of this so for wolves fans it's great because they essentially get the portuguese national team um, but it's something I think that as we move more and more towards the agentification of football that we need to understand better and maybe come up with practices to avoid. Um, because I think it's easy for us, and this I know this has been a sort of a long-winded monologue, but I'll get there. Like it's easy for us to imagine, given successes of certain teams in recent years, that football is still egalitarian, that it's still a place where anybody can succeed. But not only do you already have the like disproportionate um, dispersal of funds across leagues, you have the same teams winning um, the league every year, you have the same teams competing in the Champions League with one or two you know, uh, variances here and there. But now if we have this relationship where <laughs> agents are only going to be talking to one or two clubs or agents are only going to want to do business with the clubs that are give them the most money, which is the same sentence, like only one or two clubs or a handful of clubs, then it makes that even less fair than it already is. And it's already a pretty unfair playing field. So I think that's what we have to look at is sport mirrors society. And I don't think that's untrue with this agent thing. Is that the thing that we want to turn on every weekend? Is that the thing that we want to support? Is that the thing that we don't want to have protections in? That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Absolutely. And I think that's part of the difficulty we have now in England is that we have such an established top six that the route to try and match that theoretically is you can do it the way that Spurs have done it with slow, steady progression. I think it's difficult and may become more difficult as, as the next few years progress because I think sustaining that is, is also difficult and how you bridge the gap from let's say where Everton are to where Spurs have been that's actually quite a, a sizable gap to try and navigate but you're increasingly and I see this with fans they they will say and I saw it a lot with 
the talk of takeovers this summer, well, you need someone like a state or someone to come in to fund this. You can't compete otherwise. And you could argue that Wolves have found a way to become competitive that does not involve that huge third-party outside investment. So I'm not for a second saying it sits completely right with me. I feel great about it. I don't. I think there's an element of this that feels like it's a loophole at this moment. And I think how we address that and how we tackle it, as, as Nico alluded to, is going to be very important. Well, that, that it's funny that you say that, though, Chris, because that's the implicit goal of all these things. And I think more directly so the impl- the direct and implicit sports washing that happens, you know, at, at like you mentioned, like the, you know, oil nation states or, you know, oligarch clubs that have come in and like you criticize the actions of Roma, Roman Abramovich or say that, you know, the, the money, the, let's question the type of person that owns Chelsea football club. Let's question for where that money comes from. Let's question how he got it and all these things. And like, they control objects of affection. They uh, control objects of people's nostalgia. So it's easy for us to associate positive things with those people because if you're a Chelsea fan and they've bought Hakim Zayek and Kai Havertz and Thiago Silva and Christian Pulisic and so on and so on and so on, like you're not going to think poorly of Roman Abramovich. You're just not going to because you've loved Chelsea since you were a kid. You want to see them do well. You're emotionally attached to that. So that's kind of the goal people like we look at sports watching is like well how can that really happen like if if it's such a one plus two process then obviously we'd be able to see through it but you see it every day like you see people have a a an affection for like a russian oligarch and and also just to the point about um chris brought up the the uh the agents buying a a club in in argentina or whatever the case was a while ago there's a million different people trying to cash in on the 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 industry of football and doing it a, a variety of different ways. It's just how much money do you have? Who do you know? Like corruption is is rampant, not because people are bad, but because there's money to be made. With that in mind, then where does that potentially leave Wolves, Nico? As Chris said, there's no reason to complain now, but the over reliance on Mendes, who is currently benefiting from the situation. It does feel like the future could be somewhat uncertain if things don't continue on this path. Well, I think that's kind of the point, like what you mentioned there with the relationship. They they have to be, or Jorge Mendez wants them to be dependent on him because he he's the supermarket. He's their food supply. He he allows them to be the club that they are, and it's it's difficult because when you you know you make your bed with the devil you gotta lay in it i guess right like you make your bed with jorge mendez you have to you have to kind of sit there so um that's that's the difficulty with these things too is that if you know an entire club becomes beholden to one person and their economic benefit then that really raises issues about the validity of of what the club is doing as as a communal resource like that's what all these institutions used to be they used to be communal resources they used to be places for people to share uh given their geographical proximity to one another and and the passion or pride or common experiences that they had there so now it's just jorge mendez fc right like that's it's a, it's a different thing um and i and i like that chris mentioned and i think you did as well like the idea of 
not being able or clubs having a significant dif- difficulty in the past of bridging the gap between what we see as mid or, or low table um, to the top six. Um, because I think the only club that we can really pinpoint as bridging that gap or putting themselves higher in that rung, even though they did have some um, capacity to do that prior to um, their manager arriving there or the previous manager arriving there is, is Spurs. Like, yes, they have a lot more money than a lot of other clubs in England and they're a larger global brand now and so on and so forth. But that's one club I think we can look to that tried to do it tactically. They tried to do that by believing in a coach that had a specific style of football that was consistent with the rest of the top six. And he was able to do it for a number of years with let's just say lesser products <laughs> or uh, Musa Sissoko is what I'm trying to say. He, he was <laughs> able to play efficient possession football with Musa Sissoko. Um, so I think that's, that's one way that like, there's one example. It can be done. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it can be done. Well, it can be done, but like it's one example, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't, it shouldn't give us any hope that the system works because just because one no. exceptional Argentinian man, who's very good looking, <laughs> happened to do it in yeah. north london like it doesn't and the club have gone in a completely different direction now like they're not destroying everything. But then- so radio fc now yeah <laughs> but, um, exactly. just to just to finish up and bring it full circle to uh fabio silva are we excited to see him this season do we expect much from him do we expect him to to shine on the premier league stage this season i'm not gonna i'm not gonna lie and say that I've seen much of the kid. I really haven't. I asked Tiago Esteval, my dear friend um, and club consultant, uh, to to tell me. Or I asked him about him. I just mentioned like what's what's the deal, and he said he's very good. And people questioning the fee are stupid. So that's his <laughs> out of the horse's mouth. That's what I've heard. But again, I haven't seen the kid myself. I mean, I'm expecting a couple of strongly worded emails to Tiago Estevão. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, to be fair, I, one thing I admire about Tiago is that he does not sit on the fence. Um, he usually kicks that his way through does. it as on, on his way to that the side that he prefers. Um, but but no, I, I don't know what I'm expecting. To be honest, this is such. I was thinking about this tonight when when writing about Calvin Phillips and his struggles for England that. This is an international break in the middle of pre-season with games that kick off on Saturday, with no fans, with potentially fans in a bit. It, it's such a swirl of ingredients. I can't tell you what's coming out the oven at the end of it, to be very honest. Well, they have it, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. Chris, where can the listeners find more of you? In parts of New York and on the internet, K-H-E-N-E-A-G-E. Having a beer with troops. Oh, yeah, of course. Troops is going to be your neighbor, Chris. He's moving to New York to work with Barstool Sports, I believe. I think we swim in different ponds, the Troops and I. But if we come across each other, I'll give him a high five. (laughs) And I'm sure it will reciprocate. I'm sure it will. Uh, Nico, where can the listeners find you? Uh, As usual on Twitter or at the front three. We'll be pushing out podcasts every Wednesday, baby. Yes, we will. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Do leave your ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. Much appreciate, as always, and we will see you next Wednesday. Hold up. 
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 